0: So James, I know you're very excited for the first question. We wake up on May the 8th, not, not together, of course. Uh, and uh, so what's the <laughs> 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 uh, It didn't sound, sp- so it didn't t- sound t- funny when I said me. it out loud. <laughs> Hello, my name is Kirsty Stiles, and I'm joined by our regular commentator, James Meadway, who's a senior economist here at the New Economics Foundation for the weekly economics podcast. A couple of weeks ago, James and I chatted about what the main two parties, Labour and the Conservatives, approach to austerity would be. This week, with the election looming and even US rock star statistician Nate Silver unable to call it, we're taking a look at the deal makers and the deal breakers.
1: Westminster is awash with speculation about who will talk to whom on Friday morning if no one party wins an outright majority. I want a majority Labour government and it will be for parties in the House of Commons to vote for it. Look, I've done coalition. We made it work. We've got a good record, I've got the T-shirt, but I don't want to do that again. He keeps talking about darkened rooms, as does Ed Miliband. I, I, I have to say to you, if either of them still think they're going to win a majority, they need to go and lie down in that darkened room. But, but you ask me about deals, you ask me about coalitions, they're not going to happen.
0: But unlike other people, I've never ruled anything out. i are assuming that Plaid Cymru and SNP and Green votes are just in their back pockets. <laughs> Why don't you do I, deals with these I people? Think, well, because Mr Cameron won't even talk to me. I'm a member of the lower orders, remember? Well, yeah. <laughs> (laughs) so uh, i know you've been uh, dreading the first question james but i'm going to ask you to put your head above the parapet we wake up on may the 8th uh, and uh, i want you to tell us what situation we're going to be in uh,
1: right. Well, the the polls at the minute, actually, everything's all over the place and nobody really knows, which is why I'm loath to say anything much here. I mean, basically, we're probably not going to get a majority government, right? So whatever happens, it's going to have to be some combination of parties in Parliament that can just about get together one way or another to say that they will form a government and this government will be able to command a majority in the House, uh, in the House of Commons. I mean, that's kind of the essentials here. Um, at the minute, it's kind of obviously vying between Tory or Labour being the biggest and then there's some of the smaller parties with all their separate demands and things that they want that may also end up part of that government as well.
0: Okay, so you've obviously said there's going to be no overall majority, but um, many business leaders uh, have come out backing another Conservative-led government. Uh, There's also the shy Tory phenomenon, meaning that typically uh, the Conservatives actually get more votes than people are willing to say uh, during polling. So it looks like the Conservatives are actually going to get more seats, uh, more than we may expect, uh, but still short of a majority. So it looks like another conservative Lib Dem deal is on the cards. Uh, It hasn't worked greatly well for the Lib Dem brand uh, to date. What uh, are their economic red lines this time, James? Well,
1: what it looks like is that they are, actually it's fairly similar to what they were saying in 2010, is that they want to do a kind of softer version of what the, the Conservatives are doing. If you look at the kind of headline spending plans, they're basically saying Conservatives want to reduce spending quite rapidly over the next five years or so, really quite rapidly. Uh, Labour want a much softer pace of reduction in spending, so it's much, much softer austerity. And Lib Dems basically position themselves in between the two, actually somewhat closer to, to Labour, it would seem, uh, than Conservatives. They also I think want a bit more of a balance of the reduction in the deficit to come through uh, various tax changes uh, and some tweaks and things there. So I think what they'll be saying to the Conservatives at least as far as the economy goes is that yes we'll still sign up to austerity but you have to reduce the the pace of the deficit reduction plan that you've got in place. Uh, And that should be fairly easy for them to do because they've actually been in government with the Conservatives for the last you know five years or so. So it's relatively easy for the two of them to get back together again I'd have thought.
0: So the predictions are actually saying that Nick Clegg and Danny Alexander, two of the chief architects of the coalition deal with the Conservatives, might well lose their seats in this election. Does this change the nature of what the Liberal Democrats might ask for from the Conservatives? Or actually could they go into a coalition with Labour?
1: Well, they are left in. They could be left in the happy position of, of having a choice between the two here, given the, the expected fairly fine balance between Labour and Conservatives in Parliament. So the Lib Dems are a kind of kingmaker uh, role in that. With Clegg gone and Alexander gone, as seems certainly probable uh, at the minute, then, yeah, you might think there's a bit of a shift in how the Lib Dems are trying to, to position themselves, that the next most likely people to step forward uh, are likely to be much less inclined to kind of take a, a more conservative view of, of how you run the economy at the very least, uh, and so might be more inclined to, to end up with uh, with Labour as, as a result of this. Now, what they would argue for in that case, I think, is a bit more open to speculation. It's probably they would not be unhappy with Labour's spending plans, given that their own are not that far removed from what Labour are talking about.
0: So either way, it looks like it's going to be very tight for the Conservatives, even if they do get the most seats. Uh, So they may look for additional support from maybe UKIP and the Democratic Unionist Party, likely to be the largest uh, party in Northern Ireland. What are these two uh, parties asking for?
1: Well, this is, um, both of them take a a quite, I mean, of the selection of smaller parties, these two take a a much more kind of pro-austerity position than the SNP or Plaid or or the Greens. In the case of the DUP, they say that they recognise the need to eliminate the deficit, which I think implies that they would support the the Conservative uh, view that the deficit needs to be got rid of uh, really as soon as possible over the next few years. Uh, They also throw in, of course, that they don't want to see this deficit reduction harming spending in Northern Ireland. They've they thrown some bits about you know, the Barnett consequentials and other rather technical bits and pieces there. For UKIP, on the other hand, uh, they are also uh, thoroughly uh, committed to austerity. They say that it's been a failure on the part of government, this government to reduce the deficit as much as they said they would. I mean, they, they promised initially to get rid of the deficit for this year. It's actually about £90 billion. So UKIP are saying that they will hold uh, any future government they end up in or end up supporting to its plans to get rid of the deficit and they'll be committed to that that.
0: OK, um, but the polls are actually saying that although the Conservatives may well have the most seats, uh, a Labour and SNP de- deal could actually produce the largest bloc in Parliament. So what concessions do you think that Nicola Sturgeon and the rest of the SNP will be asking for?
1: Well, this is, this is again where we get into like uh, properly quite speculative bits and pieces here. There's quite some controversy this week over what the SNP are actually saying they would do and what they want to see from government. Nicola Sturgeon very, very clearly has said she is opposed to austerity The SNP. Say they're opposed to austerity. Uh, analysis by, once again, the Institute of Fiscal Studies shows that perhaps if you look at what their plans say and where they're going to spend extra money and what they're doing on how they're going to spend their money, they are not that far removed from what Labour say they're going to do. So, what it looks like is that they reduce the pace of austerity, so they're not cutting so fast, but they extend it further into the future, so austerity actually lasts for longer. So, that's kind of less austerity in the sense you don't get it all at once, but it actually means that you have a longer period of cuts going into the future. What this means overall is they're actually really quite close to what Labour are arguing on the big kind of picture stuff. They're closer than perhaps they might have first seen and that that would make it easier for them, at least on the big picture stuff, to, to come to some sort of deal with the Labour Party. What the SNP will be pushing for, of course, is particular things relating to Scotland and fiscal autonomy and, and perhaps paving the way towards another referendum and eventual independence.
0: Okay, so obviously there are some similarities. What are the differences uh, between SNP and the Labour Party? Well, the,
1: the spending commitments, I think it's quite striking that the SNP are, uh, have some clear commitments to increase welfare spending. I mean, this is quite distinct to, to what a lot of the rest of the parties are saying with various commitments to cutting welfare. They don't really, you know, the Tories and the rest haven't really laid out where they're going to find these cuts, but they've all said they want to reduce the welfare bill. The SNP, for their part, are basically saying that they're going to be increasing uh, spending on social secur- security by around about 4 half and a half billion pounds a year by uh, 2019. So that's quite a big difference there. So that would mean getting rid of the bedroom tax. It would mean uh, scrapping cuts to disability living allowance. It would mean quite a number of changes and reversing some of the things that happened over last year. The other big spending commitment, or or if you like, uh, is kind of a cut, I suppose, that they'd support, is scrapping Trident, which estimates would give you anything from 70 to 100 billion pounds saved over the lifetime of the Trident system. And that could, of course, easily be spent elsewhere.
0: So, again, we, we know it could be tight uh, for the Labour Party too, um, which means uh, they may, may well reach out to Leanne Wood of Plaid Cymru, uh, who are expected to get around four seats uh, according to latest polling. So, what are they after?
1: They have a number, if you go through the their Plaid's manifesto, it's heavily focused on what Wales will get out of this, and not unreasonably they say that Wales has had a fairly raw deal uh, over a number of years, one way or the other. So they have uh, some commitments in there to have more spending by government effectively taking place in Wales through procurement, that they think that it can create another 50,000 jobs in Wales with a bit more targeted spending by government, and there's a few other bits and pieces. The biggie really is, is scrapping Trident, so Plaid, SNP, and and the Greens for that matter, all saying that they want to get rid of the Trident nuclear weapons system, which again would free up an enormous amount of money.
0: Okay. And you you mentioned the Greens there. So say it's just so close that Caroline Lucas and and potentially one other uh, Green Party uh, member of parliament could make the difference uh, between a Labour Party uh, led coalition or or government standing and falling. What uh, are their deal breakers? Well,
1: the Green Manifesto is its probably the strongest that is opposed to austerity. I mean, they're very clear that they will carry on spending at quite high rates. They're also very clear that they want to increase taxes uh, in a lot of different ways, introducing a wealth tax, uh, introducing a 60% uh, upper uh, higher rate for, for income taxes, uh, additional taxes on aviation, very sort of long-standing green uh, demand there. So they're very clear that they want to increase spending and increase some taxes, and they're very clear that they want to end austerity. I think in the event that somehow or other, you know, it does end up being like, well, we have to talk to the Greens to form a government. They were probably looking for, in the first instance, some commitments about reduction, at least in the pace of austerity. And in the second one, some bigger commitments to environmental expenditure and perhaps some forms of environmental taxation. So an extension of VAT to you know, aviation and, and this sort of thing. There'll be a few bits and pieces they could probably pick out in their manifesto that could be offered as uh, things that you can make a deal with.
0: It doesn't feel like uh, the environment has made it onto the agenda at all uh, this election, but James, we'll have to leave it there. Um, Really good of you to take some time out to have a look at uh, what all the smaller parties might be offering. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Are you going to be on Royal Baby Watch?
1: Uh, Of course. I'll be glued glued to my television screen, waiting for for the happy news on that one.
0: Music for the Weekly Economics Podcast is provided by Poddington Bear. you we've got to number 23 of all podcasts on itunes in the uk and that's all thanks to your support for listening subscribing rating and reviewing so thanks so much for that if you haven't done so already get subscribing tell your friends and leave us a rating unless it's one star we'll be back at the same time next week